Hello and welcome everyone. Uh, just a real quick admin note here. We have rebranded Fed to Babel to FedPilot. So uh, it's the same stuff. We're doing the same discussions. We just tweaked it a little bit, renamed it a bit, and, um, and encouraging everyone to come to the workshops so they can learn more about their benefits. So you can learn more about your benefits. And Cassie, welcome again. Hey. Yes. So I got to tell you a little story, and I want to get your take on this and and figure out what what can be done, if anything. I don't know. So I was right. in New England last week doing some in-person workshops, um, and I was in Concord, New Hampshire, and there's this manager who was there, and she said that one of her employees had retired if I remember correctly, nine or 10 months ago. Oh boy. He had, and she was kind of following him. You know, they kept, they were keeping in touch. And he said that he didn't get his first interim check for three months. Mm -hmm. Issue number one. Issue number two, when he got his interim check, it was 20% of what he was expecting. And issue number three, it was still three months, or it was still 10 months. <laughs> and and he could see because of the issues, and there was a divorce that was involved with this that some, well, oh gosh. some you know, it, it wasn't a, it wasn't a plain Jane, I'm, I'm retiring case. So was a, there was a little bit of complexity to it, but it didn't sound like a heck of a lot of complexity. So it was 10 months into the process already, he had not received any pension check. Go ahead. Sorry. What? Yeah, no, if anybody has like divorce decrees and they have not sent those in previously, you're going into the different pile and it will take longer. Number one, that's the bottom line. And that's probably what held up everything the to bad. begin with. Yeah. Because that it provides, you might think it's simple, but it puts them in a completely different file system than not being divorced or not having anybody who is going to be awarded a pension benefit or survivor benefit as a former spouse. And so they have to na navigate those, you know, with different, different things. So if you've had military service that you haven't bought back, if you have non-deduction service that you haven't bought back, you know, any deposit or redeposit owed or maybe owed, you're going into one pile. Um, if you have a healthy retirement package, then you're going to go into one pile. If you have a divorce, you're going to, Right. And so they pile all these things out because not everybody is versed in dealing with all of these different uh, things. Right. Sure. And so and it takes the backlog. If you have anything other than a healthy retirement package is ridiculous. So so that's not. Common. So in fact, say healthy, I've, heard it, I've heard it take longer. Yeah. So have I. And that that's concerning. But what what do you consider healthy, though? I mean, do you, do you consider healthy like there are no extemporaneous issues? You're just retiring from one agency, basically. You're done. It does. What, what do you mean by that? Yeah. So it doesn't have to be the same agency. Even you can have multiple agencies that you you know have worked at, and then you're finally retiring. Um, but I'm talking like. If you haven't sent in your divorce decree prior to sending it in with your application. 
right? Because okay. okay. a lot of employees think, oh, I'm just going to submit my divorce decree or, or co-op or uh, whatever at the time of my retirement. And then because that's when all these benefits will go into effect for my former spouse. And that's great. You can absolutely do that. However, it kicks you in the butt because then there's a delay of your interim check and your and your finalization of the of the um, retirement package. Whereas if employees had sent in their divorce decrees a lot sooner, way before retirement, sure. then sure. you know, already has that information on file. They already know what to do with it. They don't have to weed through the doc documentation to figure out how much of a pension the former spouse is being awarded or survivor benefit is going to be awarded to their former spouse and how much to give the current spouse and what, right? There's, there's right. no, um, there's nothing like that because they already have that information. And so that's why we strongly encourage employees to send uh, divorce decrees to OPM as soon as possible. Or co-ops, co they can they they'll take a court order acceptable for processing. What OPM will not take is a quattro. Oh, well, they, they will not accept quattros. I didn't realize nope. that. Okay. Yeah, hmm. and in the divorce decree in the co-ops, uh, court orders acceptable for processing. There has to be very specific language in those documents to even have a former spouse awarded. And that's what they're probably having to navigate through. Not only does it have to say, uh, you know, or, or provide a calculation of what the former spouse is being entitled to, but it has to have that specific language on what their handbook says. So it sounds like they almost have to have a lawyer take a look at it and say, you know, legally can't. Hold on. Can we Lawyers are drawing things up. Most of the time, lawyers may or may not know right. what language yeah. needs in that decree sure. to, to, to be valid for OPM unless they have the OPM attorney handbook. If there's an OPM attorney handbook. There is an attorney handbook for OPM, <laughs> yes. Wow. It might be FPM attorney handbook or... Um, I'll have to look up the specific name, but yeah, there is an attorney handbook where that is on OPM site, even uh, that attorneys can have access to for this specific language. Wow. 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 I, I did not, I'm learning so much <laughs> about this. I think it's, it's simple, but it's actually very complicated, even just for divorce. I mean, and then if you're looking at owing a deposit or redeposit, Okay. Um, they have to do all that math. They have to let the employee know about it and give them an opportunity to make that deposit or redeposit prior okay. to the finalization of the retirement application. So wait, hold on a sec. So you're saying, because there, this happened when I was in Massachusetts last week, there was a guy mm -hmm. who said, you know, I had three, three or four years um, military, but it was like 30 plus years ago. And he said, I don't think I'm going to buy it back. It's not worth it. I don't even think it was four years. I think it was more like three or two or three. I mean, it was, it was a lesser sure. amount and I'm not going to buy it back. It's, it's not a big deal. I said, okay. So if he turns in his paperwork, OPM is going to say, Hey, 
we're going to delay this because we want to give you an opportunity just to make sure if you want to buy it back or not. Is that what's going to happen? Yep. Whoa. Okay. Okay. Well, what, what other kind of things? So we've talked about divorce. We've talked about uh, buyback situations. What other kind of things have you seen? Because you're, you're dealing with this. I'm on the front where I'm teaching everyone about their federal employees on the basic levels. So they get an understanding of, oh, I need to go deeper, right? When the rubber right. hits the road, that's where you come in. <laughs> that's, that's, where, that's where you're looking at it going, no, don't do that. Nope. Uh, yep. Yep. That makes sense. What other kind of things have you seen delay uh, applications? If they're not filled out correctly, which makes it an unhealthy retirement application package, right? Well, so there's there's incomplete information or missing documentation within that application itself and OPM is having to go back and figure out, okay, well, you said you wanted different federal tax deductions and you didn't submit a W-4 form or W-4P, right? Like those are the kinds of little things that may delay an employee's application because it's incorrectly filled out or there's not enough documentation or whatever. So the other caveat is it's simply not completed or, or filled out in a way that it becomes an unhealthy application. Okay. So in the past, in the past uh, episodes of this, I've asked you, and, and I just want to confirm again, just so everyone knows, just, just in case people haven't heard this yet, out of 100, out of 100 applications that are submitted, how many are correct? And done. 99. Oh, oh I'm sorry. How many are incorrect are or correct? correct? How many are correct? One out One. of a hundred. <laughs> that still blows my mind. Cause you said, you know, just fill in the information correctly. And I'm thinking, okay, these people are smart people, right? They've been in the business world for a long time. They understand how to fill out a form, right? But 99 out of a hundred are not doing it correctly. Listen, the, what they've been taught as an employee, sometimes how to fill out employee documents and things like that for their job may be different than they need to fill out the retirement application. I was talking with my husband and he was saying that, um, you know, I was giving an example, uh, showed him the retirement application and, and told him, you know, where we have the most issues with, right? Because I've, I've created a sample for our advisors to be able to, to navigate through what are the most expected challenges that employees have when filling out these forms and why. Right. Right. So I was navigating that with him and he was like, well, why wouldn't you fill out? Why wouldn't you say anything there? Like, for instance, on the schedule A, B and C form that's within the retirement application. If an employee does not have military service or they aren't retired from the military or they don't have any uh, workers comp, they leave those certain sections blank. Okay. And he was like. That's not right. I was always told that I need to complete everything on the form. Sure, sure. So people who don't have military service, who aren't retired military, who may not have had workers comp, like that is one of the number one forms that is filled out incorrectly. Mm, interesting. An application because people think that they have to fill it in when if it does not apply to them, if it does not apply to them, they simply just leave it blank. They have to fill out the very top, their name, date of birth, social security number, and they have to sign the very bottom. 
other than that, there's nothing on that form that pertains to them. So it does not have to be completed. I mean, and that's just one example of something that is most commonly misunderstood when filling out this application. Wow. Because they're taught something different, you know, or, you know, a different format approach on government documents than, you know, this one, because it's different and it's unique. <laughs> wow. 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 So many missteps. And so some of these things, some of the missteps, I think that they're, and correct me if I'm wrong, I, I would, I could see that there are two major consequences of not filling them out correctly. Number one, it gets delayed. Everything gets pushed mm -hmm. out. Um, and that's, you know, if, if someone's looking for a timely retirement, which I think most people are, right, <laughs> it, it gets pushed out. Number two, putting in the wrong information because they don't understand a benefit correctly means that they're either paying more than they ought to or that they're not getting all the money they're entitled to. Would you agree? They don't understand how it works. Yeah. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah. That's, and that, that really is no way to start off a retirement like that. No, it's no. really not. And there's a lot of steps that can, that can do a, that preventative measures can be taken, right? Like I mentioned before, um, sending in your divorce decree and there's a specific address where OPM takes these um, and they can send them in whenever during any time during their career, uh, they can send in a divorce decree or a co-op for OPM to review. Okay. Okay. Whether you plan on making a deposit or not, at least gather the information and find out if it's worth it. Yeah. Because you're going to have to before you retire. Yep. One way or another, whether you have help or not. <laughs> it will happen. <laughs> you're going to need to to at least find out the amount and then compare it with how much it affects your pension and see if it's worth it. Mm -hmm. whether it's a deposit or a redeposit, right? And that way OPM knows if you're going to not make a deposit or if you're going to make a deposit. And so just making that decision, yay or nay, with OPM or with your agency rather, OPM will then know, okay, this person is not going to make a deposit so we can process this. Okay. Oh, this person has already made a deposit so we can process this. Whatever that looks like, at mm. least they will know yes or no. Right. Because unfortunately opm is not a is not mind readers what? they don't know they don't even know if you remember about that service or if you're aware of that service yeah i mean i can't tell you how many people are like oh yeah i don't remember if i was contributing back then because it was so long ago i think i did mm -hmm. and then you find out that time didn't count unless there's a deposit paid right and so um they're just bringing that awareness to the employee to find out yes or no. Uh, so they, they can take a look at that. So those are two big things that employees can do to uh, do some pre preventative uh, delays from, from the retirement application. Good, good. So I'm going to add one more thing in here and, and we don't, we need to end, but I don't, I, I don't want to go on this, but it's, it's interesting to note and to think about. So as we, in, in the workshop, as we were talking about this gentleman's situation, um, we realized that <laughs> he, he had to go back to work 
because he wasn't getting the money that he thought. So he's going to go back to work. Then when they finally finalize his, his, his application, he's going to get back all the pay that he should have received in this first year, plus special retirement money, special retirement supplement money on top of that. And that's going to put him way higher in his second year of retirement tax-wise than yep. he expected. And he's going to be paying much more taxes than he ever dreamed that he would be doing. <laughs> that, you know, that's a topic for another day, but that was one of the which, situations. Which there. may or may not be worth it to him, right? So that's why working with somebody who understands the federal benefits who can navigate those different challenges with somebody is is so key when you're doing the retirement application process and, and figuring out all of these different things. Yeah. Wow. Okay. Well, thank you. Wow. So, uh, I've learned a lot in this. I, I appreciate that's good. So I would encourage everyone to go to fedpilot.com and jump into one of the workshops we do. We do webinars and live. Um, it's all on the front page there. You can sign up for one of the, one of those and come and learn because there's so much that you don't know and you need to know. Obviously, just filling out an application becomes complicated in that. So highly recommend you to come and learn and gain even more knowledge about how to make this work smoothly. Cassie, any last words of wisdom? Take action. Just get in touch with somebody who can help you attend one of Kevin's workshops because they're so informative. They really help employees get a basic understanding on the benefits because that's important. You have to know where you're starting from in order to plan for the future. So yeah, I would just uh, attend a benefits training um, and get the information that you need to really make a solid plan for yourself. Great. All right. Thanks, Cassie. Thanks, everyone. We will see you next time.